pitcher. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. Complexity, and we have been in the book of Proverbs, and we are going to be talking, as you can imagine, a little bit about self control. And really, that's basically being able to control oneself. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, marshmallows is probably not what we're going to find is our big area that we have a hard time controlling ourselves in. And if you're visiting here today, man, you picked a great Sunday to come because you may have come in here and thought, I don't know if I'm going to have anything in common with these people. And what I'm here to tell you is, you're going to have more in common with us than you can ever imagine. Because if we're honest, every one of us has those things in our life that kind of trip us up and we have a hard time controlling. There are those things in our life that when we do them, we just like go, oh, I can't believe I just did that. What kind of person am I? That kind of frustrating thing. Well, no, I was preparing for this week. I ran across this um, really a, a reminder of a story that I read when I was a junior in high school. A guy named Homer, who was a Greek poet, he wrote a story called The Odyssey. And in The Odyssey, the main character, or the protagonist, was Odysseus. And Odysseus, he had gotten far away from his homeland, Ithaca. And to get back by boat, he was going to need some very favorable winds. So he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go see the Greek god of wind, Aeolus. And so he went to Aeolus and he said, listen, I want to go home. Will you please grant me favorable winds for me on my trip? And Aeolus said, yes, not only will I give you favorable winds, but I'm going to give you this bag. And inside this bag tied with this cord are all of the unfavorable winds. And out of that scene came this quote that went like this, rule your passions, those things that trip you up, the same way that Aeolus, the Greek god of wind, rules the winds. And I thought about that for us this morning because I thought, wow, wouldn't that be so cool if those things in our life that kind of trip us up and get us out of control, 
Wouldn't that be so cool if we could live in such a way that all the good things, the good thoughts and behavior and actions and, and just the things that we spoke, that that is what we would send out in the world and we would somehow manage to keep under wraps those things that we know that make us feel defeated and we know that hurt the heart of God. And so this morning we're going to talk about what would be a couple of examples of what are some things that could trip us up in this area of self-control. And then we're going to see what in the world does God have for us. Is it possible that he has a way for us to live a life where we can live a life of self-control? And before we do, I want to open us up in prayer. God, I just thank you for the people that are here. I thank you for their hearts. Lord, I'm, I'm just so grateful to get to come and share. I ask that you would just bind anything in me that's not of you. And Lord, I just ask you would send your Holy Spirit right now to just give us truth and revelation to every single person here. So that when they leave here, they would know they had heard from God Almighty themselves and nobody else. Man, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I was thinking about this whole idea of self-control, and I, I began to think about the Bravo Channel and a couple of others. And I thought about how if in our society, if you are out of control enough, we give you a reality show right? Like I was thinking of the Kardashians and then um, toddlers and Tierra. Apparently that was the birthplace how Honey Boo Boo got her start. And I had never seen Honey Boo Boo. And so two weeks ago I was at a restaurant with our family and I said to our waitress, you haven't seen the show, have you? And she goes, I'll watch it every week. I can't miss it. I said, really? What's it about? And so she began to tell me. And I said, what's a little girl like? And she said, well, she's a little out of control. And I thought, and there you go. That's why she has a show, right? Because our, we kind of reward people like that. And something else I was thinking about is part of the reason that it's kind of fun to watch these reality shows is it's really just train wrecks waiting to happen, right? And you're just like, I mean, every week it's just something crazy is about to happen. And I thought, you know, that really is true for you and I, that when we get out of control enough, it's really just a train wreck for those people around us to kind of watch. And so thinking about this idea of self-control, and we're in the book of Proverbs, there is really a lot of stuff that we could talk about. And for self-control, um, we could talk about being self-controlled in our finances. We could talk about self-control in how much alcohol we drink. We could talk um, self-control in um, just all types of areas. And so before we jump in, I want to share with you just our verse, our send-off verse from Proverbs 25, 28. And it reads like this. Like a city whose walls are broken through in a person is like a person, excuse me, who lacks self-control. Now... Matthew Henry, he is a, gosh, this guy that has just written a ton of commentaries on the Bible. And this is his definition of a person of self-control. He says this, It is one who has rule over his spirit, over his body, his appetites, his passions. He has rule over his own thoughts, his desires, his inclinations, and he keeps them all in good order. So that's the idea, this idea of a person who has self-control, is one that's control of their whole self. Now, when I was thinking about this whole city wall thing, I wanted to share a story from the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was a guy who he worked as the cupbearer for a king in Persia. And what a cupbearer did is they would drink whatever liquid was brought to the king before the king did. So that if Nehemiah killed over dead, the king would know, don't drink that. That's what his job was. And so Nehemiah, he was from Jewish descent. 
His family had been exiled over a hundred and something years ago to many parts of the kingdom, but he was in this particular area of Persia, and he had been, his brother had gone back to Jerusalem with a group of people to start rebuilding Jerusalem back, and they had managed to rebuild the temple. It actually took them 20 years longer than they thought, but they managed to rebuild it, and so Nehemiah's brother came, and he said, what's going on in Jerusalem? How good does the city look? Because this was Israelites' pride and joy, the city of Jerusalem for God's people. And the report that Nehemiah's brother gave was not so great. He said, well, the temple's done, but there are so many areas in our city walls that it's just torn down and broken down and ruined. And that became a burden, and it turned into a prayer for Nehemiah. Because this is what Nehemiah knew. He knew that a city wall was for protection for the city. And it was very important that every part of the city wall be completely intact. And along this city wall, these were not walls like we have in our homes, you guys. These walls, like for example, in Jericho, when we learned about how Joshua and the army, they, they marched around the city seven times and the walls of Jericho fell down. The walls of Jericho were six and a half feet wide and twelve and a half feet tall. And so Nehemiah knew that on this city wall, a guard would watch, would walk, and he would keep watch, and he would see in the distance when the troops would be coming back, and he would also see when the enemy was coming. And he was so excited to hear that they had rebuilt the temple finally, but because there was holes in the city wall, he knew that that was going to be a place for their enemy to come in. And he knew that their enemy would come in there to steal, kill, and destroy. And what's interesting, Jesus tells him in us in John 10 that we have an enemy. He calls him a thief. And he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I thought about us as long as this. Because when we're talking today, our city wall is that wall of self-control in our very own lives. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we can talk about all kinds of things because, man, there is all kinds of stuff that King Solomon writes about in Proverbs about areas that we got to watch ourselves and be in self-control. But I thought it would make it really fun for all of us if I just shared two of things I struggle with because you guys might can identify with this. Let me give you the first one. It's right here. The first one is anger. And here's a scripture from Proverbs. It says this way, An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. I don't know about you, but when somebody's angry, they're not just angry. Like, there's a lot of other stuff that's going on around them. So they don't just commit one sin. They got a lot of stuff going on around them. And Jesus' half-brother, James, he tells us this in James 1, 19 through 20. He says, listen, we got to be people who are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because our anger does not produce the righteousness of God. I mean, I don't want to be anything or walk anything that doesn't produce the righteousness of God. But I want to be honest with you and tell you today that before I met Jesus, I struggled with anger. And I've told you before, I'm a little bit of a hothead, especially with my kids. I want to be someone who lives a life of control. Not out of control, but control of my life. Now, I want to share something happened back in December because it just lovely just, 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 just describes this for us. We were in carpool line, and I have a son, he's in middle school. And let me explain to you how this carpool line works because I thought I might need to take a class. It was very confusing at first. There are two lanes that go around and then you stop and these two lanes break into four different lanes. And each lane has about 10 cars. And then once the lanes have all the cars in place, everybody stops, all the middle school kids get in 
And they dis- then they dismiss lane one, lane two, lane three, lane four, and then these two lanes here, they scoot in and start taking their place in the lanes. Okay? So it's Wednesday in December. Um, it's the middle of the month, and as December would have it here in the south, it was smoking hot. So I had my windows down in my car, and kids were playing out in the football field over there at the middle school. And so I noticed that all the kids had gotten in their car, and I had texted my son because I had a meeting. And I didn't want to be there on time. I wanted to be there early. So I said, listen, I'm right behind this car, right next to this. Please walk out here to me. So the guy in front of me had his kid. I had my kid. When they told us to roll, I was going to be ready, and this was super. However, when we began to move, I noticed there was this grandmother, just so you know, she had picked up her kids from the elementary school, and she was beginning to scoot kind of over on me, and there was no place for both of us. There was just my car, and if she scooted over on me, she was going to hit me. But really worse than that, I could see she didn't have her middle schooler, right, because she was next to me, and her windows were down. And so if she got in front of me, that was going to slow me up. And so something inside of me just rose up. I don't really know where it came from. But since my window was down, I looked over at her without even thinking, and I yelled out, hey, I've got my kid, let me go, just like that, with both my kids in the car. And so I don't really know if she clearly understood what I said, but I can tell you this, I startled her and she hit her brakes, to which I was happy. So then I was able to go, right? But in that moment when I yelled out, I need to tell you, I became like a city whose walls had been broken through because I was a person who lacked self-control. And so now in this moment, in this break in my self-control wall, I now had given the enemy an area to beat me up on. But it doesn't stop there. So it's Wednesday, which is kind of busy at my house, so apparently I didn't talk to my husband. So the next day, we're in the kitchen, and I said, oh my goodness, I totally forgot to tell you what happened yesterday in carpool line. You're never going to believe what I did. So it's in the afternoon, and I start to tell him, and before I can get very far in the story, he just begins to laugh and shake his head. And I said, why are you laughing? I have not even finished my story. He said, because this morning at breakfast, the kids tried to tell me the story. And I said, your mom? No, she would never do that. You guys are pulling my leg. And I said, no, I totally did that to a grandma. Can you believe that? Like, I just couldn't believe I did that. It was just so shocking to me. But here's what I want you to know. So because I had this breach in my wall and I gave the enemy an opportunity to attack me, he just loved the welcome invitation. And so let me tell you what it looked like that day and Wednesday. It looked like this. I cannot believe you just yelled out the window in front of your kids at a grandma. What kind of mother are you? You know what? You're never going to change. You were always going to be a hothead. You're always going to be this way. And he just started saying these things to me. And he just started heaping the guilt and the shame. And you know what I know about these things in my life that get me out of control? These things that I struggle with that it feels like I will never get free of? What I know about those things is every time I do them, I am so remorseful and so sorry. Because it doesn't just hurt the heart of God. It doesn't just create a breach in my wall. Man, it hurts the person I do it to. It hurts them and it wounds them. Here's what Satan knows about us. If when we have a breach in our wall and we lose control and he starts attacking us, he knows what Proverbs 23, 7 says. And it says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And if he can get me believing, you're never going to change. There's no way God can ever use you. You are such a loser. 
then guess what? If I start thinking that, that's the way I start living. And I don't want to live that way. If I'm going to do this life, I better be making a difference or I just need to shut shop and go home. Listen to this verse from Proverbs. It says this way. Proverbs 16, 32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. See, the conquest of ourselves, being able to control all of our passions, it requires more wisdom and more management than anything else we can do in our life. And it is a better victory. It is a better victory for me to be able to control myself than you to be able to control all of your employees. It is a better victory for you to be able to control yourself than to be able to get the whole entire board member of your company on your side. Because it takes more effort and ability to control this girl than anything else I can do. And if I can control this, then that is the greater victory. But when I don't, I become like a city whose walls are broken through. It, it's really funny because um, after that happened in December, I'm sure that God was talking to me, but it, about four weeks afterwards, God just reminded me, you never followed up with your kids and told them that was not okay. Because I was really just so shocked and embarrassed of my behavior. So about, we were still on Christmas breaks, and it was four weeks later, and both my kids were in the kitchen. I said, hey, hey, just quick follow-up with you guys. I just want to let you know, remember when I yelled at that grandma? And they were like, yes. I said, hey, I just want to make sure that we're all clear that that is not okay, that mommy does not need to yell at grandmothers or anybody else out her window, and that does not please God's heart. And so I was beginning to explain that because it's always important we circle back with our kids, right? And um, so my son looked at me, and he said, mom, don't you think it's a little bit late to be telling us that this because it was four weeks later. And I said, you know what? I kind of think it is. But for some reason, this is the first time I heard it. So I just want to get back with you on this and tell you that's not okay. And mommy's going to try to do better to take control, right? And to do better keeping her wall up. Now, here's another area I struggle with that some of you guys might can relate with. My words. Proverbs 10, 19 reads this way. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. One of the versions I memorized years ago was, where there are many words, sin is not absent. And, you know, we live in this day and age where we have all this social media and emails, and we can kind of have this freedom to just feel like because nobody's really with us that we can type and say whatever we want to say and not really feel bad about it. But we have to be careful with what we do. James, who is the stepbrother of Jesus, he wrote that when you want to direct a horse, you put a bit in their mouth and you pull them by the reins, and you let that horse know which direction they're going to go. If you want to direct a ship, well, there's a rudder on the bottom of it, and you turn that small rudder, and it directs exactly where that ship is going to go. But when it comes to directing your body, this tongue, it boasts of great things. And just like a small spark can set off an entire forest, so can our tongues cause damage if we are not careful. Like we can use our tongues to whine, to complain, to be bitter, to be critical, to judge, to, to gossip, to attack or slander somebody. Or we can use our tongues to encourage or to bless. Because here's the deal. Our words matter. And do you know where I'm convinced they matter most? Is in our home. And this will be the area in my life right now that God is hot on my trail. And see, our words, they have power and they matter. Now think about this. When God, Genesis 1 tells us this, when God created the whole world, all of this, it says he spoke it 
into existence. You see, our words, they have power. His words have power. Our words have power. When I was 14 years old, and it was in June of 1985, and I was sitting there, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew I needed a hole. I didn't even really know I was a sinner. But I just said, I I think I need you in my heart. Would you come fill it? And in that moment, those words of a 14-year-old, they had power. Because in that moment, Jesus became my Lord and Savior. And it says that when we ask him into our hearts, that the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residency. And guess what? The Holy Spirit came and took up residency in my heart. All because I spoke. Because our words matter. Or think about this. Have you ever been in a place, it could be a bad day, it could be a bad week, it could be a bad season, where you see someone that doesn't know at all what's going on in your life, and you just talk to them, and as they're speaking to you, they say a few words, they say just a couple of sentences, and they are exactly what you needed to hear to go a few more steps. See, our words matter. Where I experience that most, and one of my favorite examples of that, is when I'm having a bad day or a bad week or a bad season, and somebody will text me, and they will say, hey, God has put you on my heart. I don't know what's going on, but I'm praying for you. And in that moment, I hear two things. Because it seems like a really simple text, right? When you're like, ah, it's no big deal. It was everything. Those kind of texts are always everything to me. Because in that moment, I'm reminded that I have a friend who chases after God. I'm so glad to have people like that in my life. But in that moment, I also have a God who, although it seems kind of hard and I'm feeling kind of lonely, he totally has my back and he's totally about my business because our words have power. Now, Proverbs 18.21 reads this way. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Every time I speak, every time you speak, you hold the power of life and death. And you say, what do you mean? Okay, when you're talking to somebody, when they leave your presence, do they feel blessed and uplifted, encouraged? Or do they feel destroyed and torn down? Ephesians 4, 29 reads this way. Do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit everyone who hears. Do the words we speak, do they benefit everyone who hears? Because every time we speak, if I choose to speak unkindly, if I choose to use foul language, if I choose to be critical, if I choose to gossip, whatever I choose to do that's not pleasing to God with my tongue, when it's out of control, I become like a city whose walls are broken down. And I give the enemy an opportunity to attack me on this. I see it with my kids. And he will come to me and say, I cannot believe you spoke so sharply or so unkindly to your kids. I cannot believe that you tell people about Jesus and you talk like that. Because I've just given him this leeway. And I want you to know, like this doesn't mean we don't say hard things. But I remember this. I was thinking of this. I remember I had some teachers in high school that when they would speak to you about something that you had done wrong, they would speak to you in a way that would belittle and berate you in front of the whole class. So you would walk out of there feeling this big. Especially, I remember that from college. But then I had a few teachers. When they would correct me, they would do it in a way that spoke life. 
they would still get the same message across. You need to work on this like a gazillion times, Susie, because you're terrible at it. But they would do it in a way that I could receive it. It spoke life. So when I left there, I knew I needed to change. I had something to fix. But they did it in a way that still breathed life in me. Because every time I don't control my words, I just become like the city whose walls are broken through. Because I, in that moment, am a person who lacks self-control. Because, man, there's a way to say things that can bring life. And there's a way to say things that can bring death. And I tell you, it's really important how we say things to our spouse. It's really important. Because, unfortunately, we have all these different avenues that we can meet other people. And if I don't say the right things to my, my spouse, I'm pretty sure somebody else will be willing to step up to say it. I don't want that. So I've got to be in control of my tongue. And I want to tell you, for me to be in control of my tongue, this is what it looks like at my house. Because several years ago, the Lord started working on me about this because my husband is really good about speaking life to our kids, and I'm really not so good. So I just remember sometimes I would just start talking, I would think, they would look at me, and I'd be, I would just step back, and I'd stop talking. They'd say, and my son would go, why, why did you just close your mouth and stop talking? And I said, because there is nothing good coming out of here. So I would just stop talking, because I knew that, because I was trying to not be this city whose walls have broken through. I wanted to be a woman who was having self-control. Now, you may be like, yeah, I don't have problems with that anger. Maybe, maybe road rage is not one of your things. Maybe you don't get angry when you go into Publix, and the person in front of you pulls out a checkbook. Oh, um, I don't know what to do when that happens. I just kind of freeze, and then I just start thinking, and the love of God flows through me, and the love of God. I mean, I, I just, I don't know what to do, and um, I, oh yeah, I, 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 love, I have lots of friends who are really good couponer people. Oh my, I look to not get behind you at Publix also. I, th- I go, hey, do you, I'm sorry, do you have a notebook with you? Oh, okay, thanks, and then I go to the next line, because I just... Yeah, okay, and I don't, and I'm happy that you do, and I want you to know, if you coupon, your spouse loves you extra. I will never get that from my husband, but he loves you extra. But, but I don't know what your thing is. And my prayer for you this week is I've been just talking to God about all of this was that he would make sure you knew when you left here. And if you don't know, you can ask somebody you came with or someone you're close with outside of here, and they will probably tell you. I don't know if you want to hear that, but they will tell you if you ask them. But if we know where we're kind of messing up in, the question then is, hey, is it possible that God would have a way that we could rule our passions like Aeolus rules the wind? In Greek mythology, clearly we all know theologically only God rules the wind. I want to make sure this is all clear on that. (laughs) But you know, I I begin to think about that and I want to tell you, if you are visiting today and you would say, I just came here for the free lunch someone promised me afterwards, that was a good call, by the way, first of all. And second of all, I want to tell you that you're getting ready to learn another bonus about asking Jesus in your life, you may not have known. Because if you have asked Jesus in your heart, in Christ Jesus, you have the ability to control all of those things that trip you up, that make you think, oh, I cannot believe I just did that. Last November-ish, I was in the hall. I remember where I was at, because I'm just telling you, anger is a lifelong issue for me. Had it before I met Jesus, still struggle with after, it's a deal for me, Okay. And so I was having a conversation with my daughter, and luckily for me, anger and words always go together. I have a combo when it comes to things that control me, because what I find is that as my anger rises, my words get more out of control. So um, my kids are lucky. Um, They're blessed. So I'm having this conversation with my daughter, and I can feel this starting to rise, all right? 
And then, um, you know, if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have Jesus in your heart and the Holy Spirit comes living in you, which he does as soon as you ask Jesus in your heart, he talks to you, right? Because Jesus said, um, I'm going to give you this counselor and he's going to live in you and he will counsel you and guide you and lead you in the way you should go. So I'm having this conversation with my daughter and all of a sudden I kind of hear something. And I'm doing like this because it kind of sounded like it came from behind me, but it didn't, okay? It was inside my heart. If you'd been there, you would not have heard. So no one freak out on that one. So I was, this is what I heard. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, you know, Susie, you have all the self-control you need for every situation. I kind of stopped. And then, because this is how the Holy Spirit works, he brought to mind this verse, Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, in this verse, I want to tell you two things, because this was kind of cool to me. The word fruit of the Spirit, it literally means deeds. It means work or deeds. So the byproduct of having the Holy Spirit in me is that my work or deeds are going to look like this. They're going to look like somebody who's got self-control. And that word self-control in Greek, this was really cool. It means this. It, it means dominion within oneself, but not by oneself. See, the only re- way I'm going to ever have victory and self-control over my anger or my words is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I have that power. So I have the opportunity. It's like my son. My son is head of the IT department in our home. And so he will walk around with some electronic gizmo and he will have something cool. I go, oh man, I wish mine had that. And he'll be like, mom, it totally does. And he swipes the thing. It's right here. This is how you use it. This is our login. Oh, that's great. Like, I'm so excited. And here's what I want you to know. Like, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have all the self-control for your road rage, for the people that get in front of you that uh, write checks. You have control for all of that. Like, you have control because you are in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you why this is so important. Oh, my goodness. You say, well, who cares? Well, here's why you care. Because when I keep track and I lean into the Holy Spirit, and I keep track of my wall of self-control. And I practice self-control. I keep myself from being ineffective for Jesus Christ. Because that day when I got angry at the grandma, when we were talking about it that Thursday afternoon, and this is really true, and I don't remember which one of us said it, because we, it's kind of one of those things like it broke our hearts, so we can either laugh or we can cry. But in that moment when we were talking about it, one of us said the phrase, well, I guess you will not be reaching her for Jesus. And it's true. See, every time I act like a hoodlum and I do that kind of stuff, I lose my ability to share Jesus because really, I just yelled at you out my window. Why would you want to hear about the love of God from me? Right? So that is why this is so important for us, man, to be mindful, to be on our wall, to be watching out. Because the enemy is walking to and fro to see who he can can devour. Man, I don't want to give him any more opportunities than necessary. So, like, if you're like me, um, this self-control thing and walking with this is kind of hard sometimes. So let me just tell you how I do it. So whatever those things are, because right now I'm really trusting that God is popping things in your head, because I'm pretty sure they're popping them in your spouses for you. Um, (laughs) Try not to elbow, ladies, because we're terrible at that. Oh, we're so bad at that. But, but like with this whole word thing, okay, I would go to the Lord and I'd say, okay, listen, your Holy Spirit lives inside of me and it says that part of the benefit, part of the fruits, the work or deed that's going to come out of my life because I'm in Christ Jesus, he lives in me, is that I'm going to be a woman of self-control. So I am not very good at my words sometimes 
with my children. So I need you to help me. I want you to signal me. Now, I've heard people say this. They say, well, I asked the Holy Spirit to check me. And I don't know what that means. I don't know. But, but, but it's like this thing that kind of goes off inside of you. Sometimes for me, it feels like somebody's tapping me on the shoulder. Not literally, but it's just like this nagging thing's kind of going on inside of my head. So when I'm talking and I feel like I'm starting to rise, which means my anger is starting to go up, which means my words are about to go out of control, I have the opportunity to step back. Now, I can keep on going. I can totally disregard the alarm that's going off inside of me that the Holy Spirit's doing for me. That's no trouble for me. I've done that a million times. But in that moment, I become like a city whose walls are broken down because I lack self-control and the enemy has a new area to attack me on. But when I lean in and I stop, I begin to practice self-control. Because the enemy would like for me to think, I will always be that way. That is not true in Jesus' name. That is not true. Not true at all. And this whole idea of practicing self-control so we can not be ineffective for him because we're practicing it, man, I want you to know, it's like, it's like a muscle. And we're going to mess up. And so when I do mess up, and I will, and I break down my wall, this is how simple it is. God, I should not have yelled at that woman today in in the carpool line. I don't really know what happened, but I just want to confess to you that I know that's wrong. And I'm going to ask you if you would forgive me, because that's not who you called me or created me to be. And by faith, I am going to receive this forgiveness. Even though I don't really feel forgiven, I'm just by faith going to receive it. And I'm going to ask God that you would just continue to help me in this area. When my anger or my words start to get out of control, you would somehow signal me and you would give me the strength to zip it. And see, in that moment, I've just rebuilt my wall. Now, the enemy sometimes will still try to come against me on that thing. But I've already got it all straightened back out with God. Sometimes in those moments, he doesn't just call me to just apologize to him. Sometimes I have to go apologize to the person. It's horrible to have to apologize to the Walmart employee. I'm just telling you, because you acted out of control. They're always so shocked. I don't like doing that. It's a good incentive for me to behave. But I I just want, you know, it's just that simple. So now my wall's back intact. And when the enemy tries to come against me, I go, no, 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 I've already taken care of that. I've already got that straightened out with God. And I've, I've already asked for forgiveness. I've already received it. I'm going to walk in that. Even if I don't feel it, I'm going to walk in it. About a week and a half ago, Glenn was dropping our kids off in the morning at a different school, another school, and for morning drop-off. And um, he said there was this fight between these two dads because at this school, there's three lanes, and when you pull out, they merge back into one. But the problem was there were these two dads, and they were fighting over who was going to merge in front of the other one. So as we were talking about, we're all in the car. I have two kids, so it's the four of us. And I said, well, just so I know, Glenn, just because you're watching, who, who was at fault? Like, which car? Because he was telling us what color this car was and what color this car was. He said, well, actually, I think the guy in this car was in the wrong. To which my daughter in the back piped up and said, who is nine? Mom, was he wrong just like you were wrong when you yelled at that grandma? I said, yes, he was actually very wrong, just like that. You know, full circle, full circle, because I want my kids to see, and if you have kids, you're going to get this. And if you have siblings that are younger than you, man, you can model this to them. Because I don't know what your area is, but man, we can do this. God has already blessed us in 
Christ Jesus with everything we need through the power of the Holy Spirit. You just have to lean in and believe. And yes, you might feel kooky and weird just having this conversation or listening for him. But I am telling you, when you begin to see things that used to run you, all of a sudden have no power over you, every time I just think, oh, that was God. Because I could never have done that. I mean, I'd have seasons where I'd try really hard, but I'd always mess up again. But every time we make a point, we're going to keep our wall intact. Every time. We practice self-control. We make sure that we are going to be effective, someone that Jesus can use in this lifetime. And in the end, we end up writing ourselves a better story, one that our kids and our grandkids want to hear. Because they're like, wow. And we model it for our kids. In a world where everyone says you can totally be as out of control as you want, we're going, you know what? You really can't be. But here's how you can be in control through Jesus and through his spirit. It's a muscle, self-control is. And you got to practice it and you got to lean in. But I'm telling you, every time you lean in, you get stronger and you get better. Let me pray for us. God, I just thank you that You've already given us everything we need. And that those things in our life that kind of just throw us for a loop and defeat us and then give way for the enemy to come and beat up on us, man, God, you already have given a way for us to overcome that through your Holy Spirit. I just pray for each person here, God, that this week they would lean into you. They would bring whatever their thing is to you. And God, you would begin to show them how to exercise self-control that they already have because every one of us already has that on our app page in our heart if we're in Christ Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.